good evening, and welcome to Taking Ship, a guided cruise through dumbest timeline America. I'm Ellie Jacobs, joined by Maggie Moore, whose project is the future in name only. Frank has the week off again because he's a slacker, and apparently he and Maggie have some kind of cabal where they don't want to be seen or heard with me at the same time or some such. I can't confirm that that's true. So, hey, Ellie, and hello to all of you. Um, We'd like to just thank all of you for sticking with us and uh, listening to this show. And we would very much appreciate all of your comments, both positive and negative, and urge every each and every one of you to leave us a review on iTunes or whatever app um, that you're listening to this at. Uh, Please also visit our website, www.takingship.com, and buy some of these t-shirts so I can stop talking about it because I'm sure you're tired of hearing about it. Finally, please join our fleet on Twitter at at taking ship and that ship with a P as in pockets. You can follow Ellie at at Ellie Jacobs, me at at Maggie M012 and Frank at at Frank Spring. Yeah, very creative names for two thirds of us. Uh, Whatever. Since Frank's not here and since there's a lot going on this week for, you know, in, in, our lives at least. We're going to try to keep this uh, week's episode pretty short. We don't have a guest, but there's going to be a great guest next week. Um, we're not going to tease it. Just check it out next week. There's going to be a great guest. Um, but we thought that Maggie and I would go back and forth and actually do our patented lightning round on one another. Pew, 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 pew. We've heard some from <laughs> some of our listeners who don't actually know us or don't know us particularly well that they would like to know more about their hosts. So we figured this would be a good way to do it. And then Frank can remain an enigma because he's not on this week. Or maybe we should just answer for Frank. Would that be interesting? I think that would be even better because if you're not getting out there defining your own narrative, you're going to be defined by everyone else. Yeah, but I also feel like Frank would be really interesting to, have, to make him answer these questions. Maybe next time we'll just like the three of us are on. We just like force him to answer questions in like the first two minutes of the show. Yeah, perfect. That sounds okay. great. So stay tuned. Like we're now teasing that you have to stay tuned for weeks and weeks and weeks. Basically, you should just be all taking ship all the time. Truly. Yeah. I mean, check out, uh, what's the name of the other thing that I like? Um, well, the secure line are friends of ours and that, that that's a really good podcast, but, uh, intelligence matters with Mike Morell is a terrific podcast that people should check out. It's former uh, deputy CIA director and acting CIA director. And he inter- interviews really intel, really great people. And, they're good conversations and they last like a half hour. Um, but people should check out that podcast. And obviously people should check out the secure line. Um, what are the other ones that we really like, Maggie? We like uh, things that go boom. We do. We love things that go boom. I also feel like we're kind of like preempting our content right now. Yeah, a little bit. But you know, but, that's fine. Yeah. The rules, the rules don't matter as we have clearly understood by the news cycle for the past however many months. <laughs> right. This is Dumbest Timeline America where up is down, down is up and right is left and left is right. But uh, with that in mind, Maggie, why don't we just dive right into this? Maggie, and this is a new question for our patented lightning round, because we felt that we couldn't just ask each other our normal questions. We had to up it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Maggie, what was the dumbest thing you saw or read this week? So the dumbest thing that I recall seeing was, uh, I believe it was yesterday morning when I was minding my own business and I opened Twitter um, right when I got onto the subway and... um, you know how you can see like the trending topics? Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that um, Bigfoot erotica was trending. Because why wouldn't it be? Because why wouldn't it be? Obviously, because this is truly the dumbest 
dumbest thing that has ever happened. So I, I was on the subway, as I said, and I was about to lose service. And I was like, that probably has something to do with like big dick energy, which everyone apparently is talking about. The youths are, I am not. Yeah. Um, but like, that makes sense, right? Um, so as I get to the office, I decide to investigate further. And it, it's such a weird a weird confluence of events that we're getting to going to like a Virginian congressional race in which some, some semi unfortunate named candidates, uh, Leslie Cockburn, the democratic. I mean, there's seriously, there are certain people who shouldn't run for office. Like if you envision your name on a bumper sticker and oh worried about people laughing at you, like I'm still shocked that Anthony, like Tony testicles, which what is what I've always called Anthony Weiner. Um, oh yeah. That never should have happened. And literally never should have happened. For a variety of reasons. And and Anthony Weiner's only real like addition to humanity was at some congressional like roast where he said something to John Boehner, where he's like, you know, my name my name isn't Anthony Weiner. Uh, Weiner. No. But don't be proud of that. Th- I mean th- like, th- maybe don't. That's about like as best as best as he could do. Like his name is Tony Testicles. Like, but anyway, sorry Truly. to interrupt, but yes, Cockburn. Yeah. So um, Leslie Cockburn, the Democratic congressional nominee in Virginia, um, a- accused her opponent, uh, who is seriously named Denver Riggleman, which like, why? Sure. Is that with um, a W? W? R. R-I-G-G. Oh, it's so not even a W. That's lame. I know. Um, so she accused him of... Um, campaigning with white supremacists sure. as well as being an avid reader of Bigfoot erotica. Now in my, literally that's all I read before I fell out of my chair because God himself has forgave, has forsaken us, has left us on this cold and lonely yeah. planet because we deserve nothing that is good. And right. cause I, like if you're campaigning with white supremacists, that's going to get you like 30% of the vote. That's just like kind of smart politics. If that's who your base is. Cause they might be into that. I don't know. Um, but it was absolutely wild. And I admittedly, because I don't really feel I need to, really did do any due diligence about following up about why she well, said what she said, because does it matter? You may have had matter? to blinded yourself if you Like, had. I don't think I would need to wash my eyes out with salt water. And like, <laughs> I'd need a priest at that point if I like went into it that much. But I could not believe what I was reading. And honestly, I feel like this is just a, another example of why Twitter is so good and so, so, so bad because the jokes have been hilarious, but like yeah. she tweeted this out, like you didn't need to do that. Also right. like take her phone away or what was her staff doing? Right. I mean, this is like that old game of like accusing somebody of having an affair just so you can get them on the record of denying it. But it'd be like accusing someone of having an affair with like a sea witch. Like, right. Like, what do you suppose the Venn diagram, what, what do you suppose the overlap between white supremacists and Bigfoot erotica fans is? Low key, it's a full circle. It's just a circle. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know. That's but really- I also then would not want to besmirch the true fans of Bigfoot erotica as being white supremacists. So, like, I don't know. Right. Probably, it's like the square rectangle thing. Like, all I mean, you're from the Northwest. Is, like, Bigfoot <laughs> erotica a big thing out there? I don't know. And even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> keep that keep that one to myself. But I mean... For the record, Maggie Moore can neither confirm nor deny that she is a <laughs> Bigfoot erotica I mean, aficionado. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't y'all like to know? 
Um, but yeah, I, I will probably eventually do a little bit more research into where this accusation came from, but for right now, I'm just holding it in my hands. It's like a true <laughs> dumb gift that it is. Yeah. It's like a dumb turd that just like landed on the ground in front of us all. And we kind of just go poke at it to make sure it's like, you know, real. But, yeah. But the, you know, the, the Twitter machine will keep on churning and we'll forget about this in a couple of days, but it's a nice, fun, weird time while it lasted. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. So then, sir, yes. what is the dumbest thing that you read this week? You know, uh, the dumbest thing that, I, I, that I've got going on like for the last two or three weeks is really that Rudy Giuliani is a thing still. Oh God, reanimated scarecrow, Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, it's like it, 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 with more stuffing this time. Stuffing of what? idiocy like <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm at a point where it's like people who've been listening to the podcast know that 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 we are big fans of giving people stupid football nicknames so like yes. paul ryan is p90 paulie and mitch mcconnell is the bluegrass turtle etc etc mm-hmm. so earlier today we had we were actually discussing what stupid football nickname we could give rudy giuliani because rudy right. in its own name is just a dumb name and we couldn't but come up with anything. It's also associated with sports ball. It's also associated about. with sports ball. Yeah. And I mean, as a people who listen to the podcast know I'm a Notre Dame fan and that Frank is not. Basically, he's the opposite of a Notre Dame fan. But even with that, we, we, we went down a whole road of Frank basically destroying all early 90s and late 80s movies is that we were all interpreting them incorrectly. And the Russians should have won Top Gun. And Johnny was the good guy in Karate Kid. Like, it was just a bad scene for a long period of time, but Rudy Giuliani being the spokesman for president, good brain, best words, and just repeatedly saying the wrong, stupid thing and then having to walk it back. But the glee in which he has in his eye, when people are even paying attention or talking to him Mm -hmm. is, I want that happiness, (laughs) that pure (laughs) bliss of people are paying attention to me. I matter still like there, there, there must be something to that. And, And it's just, there was an article in uh, Vanity Fair today, uh, or their online thing, The Hive, which I wouldn't spend too much time paying attention to it, but Gabe Sherman usually has pretty good sourcing. And the title of the article, or the subtitle, was that Don McGahn, who's the White House um, counsel, mm-hmm. hates Rudy Giuliani with the, you know, the fierceness of a thousand sons or something like that. And you just you, you got to imagine like if Trump actually fires Giuliani because he's getting more airtime than he is, which we all know is a no-no in in the world of team chaos. What is a thrice scorned Giuliani going to be like in the media? He didn't get secretary of state. He didn't become attorney general. And now he's getting fired as the president's attorney. Like, does he turn coat or does he tuck tail and run along the good ship Trump? Like Chris Christie has. Honestly, have you ever seen the sketch, the SNL sketch that they bring this character up on the weekend update drunk uncle? Of course. Drunk Uncle's the best. Yes, Drunk Uncle is the best. So he, I think he's going to go full bore Drunk Uncle because if he gets that excited and that happy about attention, he's going to do whatever he needs to do to stay relevant, which is saying batshit stuff all the time. So it's going to be full Drunk right. Uncle until the cows come home. So you're suggesting he's basically going to run Trump's primary campaign now? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I called it. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, I, I, am, I, would, I would take good odds on that. Or bad odds, even I would take on that. Like that's a that's a done deal. Yeah, it's going to be a fucking circus. So that is the dumbest thing either of us have seen this yeah. week. 
what, okay. So moving into our regular questions, mm-hmm. Maggie, what is a book piece of music, film or television program? I love that Frank added book into and piece of music into this. Cause also that it's television program yeah. and not TV show. Yeah. That, yeah. What radio program are you listening to? What are you listening to on the talkie? Yeah, on the talkies. <laughs> <laughs> on the wireless. Oh, God. Yeah. So of uh, that group, what is a piece of culture that you would recommend yes. to, to our faithful listeners? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so a movie that I saw for its New York premiere, which is now out in wide release, um, is Eighth Grade. Um, oh, you were big on this on the Twitters. I was big on this. So um, it's the first feature-length film from Bo Burnham, who was famous, who was kind of like uh, Vine famous and like YouTube famous. He was like of the first YouTube content creators when it first got started. Um, but I basically, cannot believe uh, that I forgot Vine was a thing. How? I love Vine. I miss it every day. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's about, um, it follows Kayla, an eighth grade girl, um, on her last week of middle school. Uh, she's getting ready to go into high school. And I don't really want to say too much else about it. I mean, the actors are all actually eighth graders, which is adorable. And wow. it is funny and um, emotional and perfect. And yes, I highly, highly recommend eighth grade. All right. And for you, are your tastes as good as mine? I don't know if they're as good as, but... Uh, um on the recommendation of some people, including Esquire.com, uh, the wife and I watched uh, Hannah Gadsby's uh, stand-up special, Nanette, on Netflix. Yes, and yes. If folks haven't watched this, I was... What are you doing? Complete, yeah. What are you doing with your life? Like, stop watching Westworld and watch this instead. 100%. I mean, just stop watching Westworld in general, but watch this instead. Yes, please. It, it gets the taking ship stamp of approval, which at current times, the only other program that has the taking ship stamp of approval is Deadwood. Um, that's it? That's it. That's literally it right now. Mm. We need more. We need more. But currently, Deadwood is the only thing. But it did, I was completely unprepared for what this was going to be. Like, I like stand-up. I, I, I enjoy mm-hmm. watching stand-up comedians. I think it's an incredible talent. You know, I've never done open mic or anything like that, but like I have great respect for people who are willing to do that. It, you know, as Seinfeld repeatedly says on comedians and cars getting coffee, like it is the single hardest thing to do to get up in front of you know thousands of people and try to make them laugh because you're no one else is as scrutinized as a stand-up comedian because there's ten thousand people staring at them, being like, "Hey, be funny, jackass!" But yeah, this it's very thing, vulnerable. Yeah, right. But this, this, Hannah Gadsby did this at the Sydney Opera House. She did this special, which is a great big place. Mm-hmm. And there are times of it where like your sides hurt because you're laughing so hard because it's so clever and her delivery is so good. And there are other parts of it that are so uncomfortable and so difficult that like you won't sleep because you're thinking about things too much. Mm-hmm. And I was completely unprepared for, for, to, to, to experience this. And I cannot recommend to people enough. I don't like, I'm not telling you to sit there and watch it in one, in one go. I think it took me and the wife two or three, but we're also old and have a child. So that's usually how most things happen. Yeah. But uh, everybody should watch this. Like if you need a Netflix subscription, email me, I'll give you my passcodes. Like that's, that's how important, that's how important to watch this. I I think it is like it. It's a thing that people really should be talking about more, I think. And I think that the reason people are not, I think one of the reasons that it hasn't like broken past kind of like the intelligentsia zeitgeist of like, or the faux intelligentsia zeitgeist of like New York Magazine and Esquire is because it's really difficult to handle and it's difficult to talk about. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, so, okay. That proves that your taste is, you know, just as good. Not awful. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So continuing to move on down our list, because I think we've had good recommendations thus far. Um, what is a food or drink you've had recently that you recommend? Oh, man. I feel like I had something ready for this. Oh, I do. So um, it's not so much as like a, I guess it is kind of a specific food or drink, but it's more of like a drink experience. Okay. So um, I'm thinking like that thing in park, Parks and Rec when they go to like the experimental bar and. Oh God. It's not like where you put like whiskey hand lotion or you like smell alcohol. No, it's nothing like that. Um, so I have, um, I have a back deck in my apartment, um, which is the best and most exclusive bar in Brooklyn as we come to joke. Um, but one of my favorite things to do on the deck with friends is do what we call the old high low. And the old high low is where you share with your friends, a bottle of champagne, and then you share a six pack of high life, the champagne of beers. So uh, if it's a nice summer evening, I'll have a couple friends over. We open up some champagne and then we move on to the champagne of beers. You really can't beat it. The old high-low. Yeah, that's, yeah that'll, that works. Because yeah. I'm both fancy and not fancy at the same time. And I want both. That really does cover both pretty well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So yeah, do you, do you have a, a new food that you've tried or do you have a, a food experience that you recommend? So it, it's, it wasn't a new food for me, but I hadn't had it in a long time. Uh, the wife took me out for my birthday to one of my favorite restaurants, uh, Mike's Bistro. And they have, he, he makes this um, duck gnocchi appetizer, Ooh. which is it, something like that sort of soundingly simple shouldn't make you crazy. But like I, I have been there and ordered it as like a dessert because I just want more of it after I've done eating. So if you're ever in New York, and particularly for those of you who listen to this and keep kosher, Mike's Bistro, Duck Noki, you're going to be a very happy person. And then afterwards, we walked down the block and went to the Polo Bar, which is very ritzy and exclusive. And even though there was no one there and it had just opened, we still had to like wait on a line that didn't exist. They literally like... I think they hired people from across the street to wait on the line so that we could feel, I don't know, exclusive or some such. But I had an old fashioned that um, was delicious. It came with uh, hand chipped ice, which was is always a nice touch, and mm-hmm. had a little po- wooden polo mat mallet in as the stir. So nice touch, Ralph Lauren. Also, you know, thank you for letting our listeners know just how bougie you are. I know, right? And, and <laughs> I, I'm not ashamed to say I was wearing a linen shirt at the time. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Let's see how much worse this can get. Yes. This is, this is, the, uh, this is the tough question. This is, this is the one that throws people. I'm ready. Maggie, what would a chair look like if our knees bent the other way? What would a chair look like if our knees bent the other way? I don't think they would look any different. I just think we would turn them around. You know how like the cool teacher is like, hey, you can call, you don't need to call me Miss Moore. You can call me Maggie. And you turn the chair around so you can sort of like lean your arms on the back, on the (laughs) backrest. I think that all of the chairs would look sort of the same. They would just face the other way. All right. Right? Yeah, probably. I mean, no, their knees are still bending in the same way though. Or you're saying that since it bends the other way, they would be sitting normally, but you'd be facing the other direction. I'm a really bad spatial thinker, so I'm just going to go ahead and say yes. Okay. 
moving cool. on. <laughs> I actually have one. Oh, so, well, do you want me to ask you a little brain teaser one? I, we're, we're doing this. Let's do this. Okay. Um, it is also a little bit more visual, but I'm sure that folks have seen this picture. How would a dog wear pants? Would they only wear them on their back legs with a belt mm-hmm. around the middle mm-hmm. or would they wear it fully on all four? Mm-hmm. 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 Hit me. So I'm a firm believer in that it would just be the hind legs. Okay. However, that the female dog um, mammary gland goes from the front from the front legs to the hind legs. Right. Throws off exactly where the midsection begins and ends. With the male dog, it's pretty easy. Like you know, here's your thing. We're done. Mm-hmm. Here's where your mm-hmm. pants end. Right. But because the female dog, it kind of runs the whole gamut. I'm not entirely sure how it works, but I'm still a firm believer in that it's just the hind legs. I agree too, because also dogs use their front paws to move things. They don't use yep. their back legs to move things, which means that their front paws are their arms. Yeah. Let's anthropomorphize am- animals. That's a good move. This is, this is my favorite activity. Let's do more of that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on, because we did promise to keep this relatively short. Um, our fourth patented question is, um, in the Trump era, lots of people are interested in doing something. What is one organization you recommend supporting and why? Okay. So I thought a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. And I hope that folks are fine with me being selfish. Are we all just like generally cool with that as a community? I mean, we're all narcissistic assholes. So yeah, go on. Great. So one thing that I've decided to reinvest in um, is the play that I worked on for two years and co-created Bullet Catchers. Um, and in and these Maggie, tribes, before you go on, oh, I, I will yeah. say I saw it. I think it was phenomenal. And this is something that should be seen by a broader audience. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's our hope. That's our goal. So in these trying times, I do think that it's important to remind yourself that the things that you love and care about deserve your time and investment, and it's not selfish. Um, so we've taken a year off from working on the show, um, and we are working towards um, reviving it, bringing it back. So if you are interested in hearing more about that, obviously get at me on Twitter or visit our website, bullcatchersthe yeah, and we'll put that in the episode description also so that people can get to it. Bulletcatchersthe.play.com. Yeah. What about you, sir? Um, so I have shied away from being too fiscally involved with any American stuff. Um, sure. But one organization that I very much like like and enjoy supporting is the Israel Seeing Eye Dog Foundation. Uh, you know, it's five star rated on GuideStar. So, you know, your money's going to a good thing. And when you make donations, you're based like they do it all like in dog terms, like, you know, $50 buys a harness, $75 buys the shots or whatever else it is. Um, but this is an organization that um, provides seeing eye dogs to blind people in Israel, regardless of religion or um, ethnicity. Um, so, it's, you know, some people are, you know, maybe have lost their their sight in battle other people just were born without sight whatever else it is um, mm-hmm. but they connect people with seeing eye dogs and I, I just like that sometimes it's nice to take a step back and and give something directly where you know it's going to make an immediate impact on somebody's life as opposed to you know people should support big causes that's really important but every now and again it's nice to you know throw a couple bucks at a group that you know it's going to a specific thing and you know like your little little dollar much like if you give some money to bullet catchers will go a long way. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I love that recommendation. I think that's perfect. The only thing that gets me about seeing eye dogs is that I can't pet them. Yeah. I don't, but 
I want it's, to. It's actually funny. We, uh, my whole family, we were all in Israel for Passover um, uh, last year. And we, I wanted, I emailed the, the, the people that run the organization and I asked if we could come visit the facility and see, you know, the training and everything. Um, and my nephew at the time was a uh, uh, little over two years old and has a dog at home. And I asked if he could play with the puppies and they said no. And I was like, all right, we can't go visit because you mm-hmm. can't put a two-year-old kid who's used to like wrestling with his own dog with, you know, 40 puppies and not let him touch it. Like his brain will literally, like we will all, he will, he will end all of us. He will, so you can do that if you like torture. Right. Um, he will develop, awesome. like that's when like his X-Men abilities will come out and like mm-hmm. he will end us all. Yes. It'll be that level of stress that just like does it. Yeah, you don't want to bring that into the world right no, now. No, no, no. Okay, so we've kept this relatively short, I think, but we had a good discussion and people can now know more about us, maybe. I mean, sort of. I hope but so. We made some really good recommendations, I think. We have some good recommendations. Yeah. We talked about some stupid stuff. It was all very on brand and on theme for us. So yeah. I would say thank you, Ellie, then for uh, answering all the random questions, including the dog one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thank you to all of you for um, sticking with us and just learning a little bit more. Um, so be sure again to subscribe um, and rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at, at taking ship. And that ship with a P as in PETA, because I'm having a pocket theme today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ellie, please, sir, can you tell us where we're headed this week? Yeah, so we are once again shelving our war on the sea without Frank, our commander. But uh, we are heading to Siberia this week um, because worms that have been frozen for 42,000 years have somehow wriggled back to life. No. Yeah, this is not great. So the melting permafrost is releasing something called nematodes, which are microscopic worms that live in the soil and have been suspended in deep freeze since the... Pleistocene era. I'm definitely not pronouncing that right, but it was 42,000 years ago. So despite being frozen for tens of thousands of years, two two species of these worms have now been successfully revived. Uh, Obviously, we made the wrong call on the whole don't open the sarcophagus in Egypt thing. All they found was like muddy water and a skeleton. Um, But I'm pretty sure that reviving 42,000-year-old worms is not in our best interest as a human society. So we are taking ship uh, across the Pacific, potentially over the Arctic Circle. I don't know how we're going to get there, but we'll get to Siberia somehow or the other. And we're going to talk to these scientists and really find out what the hell's going on and what benefit we have of bringing back 42,000-year-old worms. Friends, we take ship now to Siberia. Wonderful. Take care, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>